Have you ever thought of that pride may show its ugly head in various ways? I think sometimes when we think about pride, we think about pride showing up as this very loud, boisterous, a stubborn attitude, you know, basically doesn't matter what falls apart around them. As long as they are right and as long as they make their point, that is all that matters. But what if pride shows up in various ways? Have you ever thought about pride may show up in the, in the way of not asking for help? Lack of patience. What if pride shows up in a way that you are unteachable? You feel like you are an expert in this area and I will never need any more information because I am the guru or I had know this. You know, sometimes as mothers, it's so funny, as moms, we can sit here and think that we are the expert of motherhood. So we give everybody our advice. I think it's one of the craziest things when somebody is a new mom and they're pregnant, you have mothers coming out of the woodwork on how to raise your child. I know I've done it. Just giving them really honest tips. But at the same time, I, I put the caveat on there saying, hey, but you know your kid. But there's some moms who are at the end of the day, they were like, no, this is how it needs to be done. You have to raise your children this way. Like this is the only way to raise your children. And yes, your children have turned out wonderfully. But what if that doesn't work for somebody else? And if you don't understand that the possibility that you could not be right, that is pride. Pride shows up in so many ways, but I think the core of what is pride is, it really is a spirit of selfishness, but most of all, it's a spirit of not wanting to be taught something new. Let's talk. Welcome back to Conquering Me Podcast. This is me, Jennifer Jefferson, and we are in episode 23, and we're going to talk about pride in this various forms of pride. And one of the main things I truly want to discuss is how we can be unteachable. Some of us don't like to be taught new things, don't want to see things from a different perspective, and all of these various things. But Is that a form of pride? And what's interesting at um, my church this past month, so the month of July, the entire month we talked about pride. And it was crazy to me how the Lord began to show me all the various forms of pride just within myself. One of it was not wanting to be rejected, right? So not wanting to be rejected. It was at one point I was pretty cool with being rejected. I used to work in sales and I just knew that was a part of the job. You know, you just shake it off. You may feel some type of way, but you shake it off and you keep ticking, right? And what I realized is that for so long being around my children and being the authority and the voice of reason and the voice of uh, instruction, Now, when I have to, now I'm in a season where God is saying, okay, now you have to get back out there. You have to do things differently. You got to shake things up. And I realized that the spirit of rejection was like scaring me. I was like, oh God, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be rejected. And I realized for me, that was pride because I didn't want to be wrong. I'm like, no, what I'm telling you is amazing. (laughs) What I'm selling is amazing. Why won't you take this? Because they don't want it at the end of the day. But there was pride that was showing up in myself regarding rejection, the lack of patience. Lack of patience was coming up as a form of 
pride. Um, one of the ladies at the church, she said how she likes to uh, communicate in a certain way. And she said, I, I can only communicate in a certain way. Don't tell me the backstory. Don't tell me all these things. So she was kind of going through how her form of communication and somebody else said, hey, I'm the same way. But I've realized that the Lord began to show me that I'm missing something along the way. If I am only looking for the bullet points and if I'm only looking for everyone to be straight point blank blunt to the like, just give me the root. I don't want to hear nothing else. Right. And so I was looking as I was listening to them and I realized that the lack of patience, because I had to see that within myself, the lack of patience is the form of pride. It is the mindset of saying this is the only way that need that we can communicate. This is the best way for me to communicate. So I need you to adjust to me. How dare I adjust to you? And what I begin to realize is how are we as believers and followers of Christ going to really teach and preach and live the life of Christ if we do not know how to adjust with different forms of communication? Let's think about it. Jesus talked to those who were fishermen and he spoke in the language of fishing. Jesus spoke to those who were agriculturists, who were farmers and spoke in the language of farming. Jesus spoke to the woman um, who had five husbands and communicated to her in the way that she understood. Jesus understood how to switch up his game, right? That's just it. Because at the end of the day, Jesus was out his, about his father's business. He just wanted people to be taught and come into the fold. He was about even to the point to where here's a kicker. If you look at how Jesus communicated with the Pharisees and the sat, well, specifically with the Pharisees who were the teachers and the rabbis who kept the law of Moses, who kept the law of the old, he was good at the best way I can say it. He was kind of sarcastic with them in a lot of ways, but he was good at answering their questions with a question that made them think. Because these were the intellects of the time. These were the ones who were the spiritual leaders. So with the spiritual leaders, he knew that he had to make them think. And also he had to really uproot their foundation and what they thought was true. So Jesus was fine with rocking the boat with them, the spiritual leaders of the time, right? So and I'm saying this because Jesus himself knew how to conform to who he needed to speak to. It was not that he changed his character and he changed who he was, but it was like, look, at the end of the day, I'm about the solution. So I realized my lack of patience and my inability to conform or even to communicate differently was a form of pride. And I had to begin to say, God, I need you to help me with that. Now, one of the biggest ways that the Lord helped me with that was with this lovely man that I married. I am so grateful for him. I am beyond grateful for the love of my life. He is amazing. He's an amazing husband, an amazing father. But Lord, honey, that man can talk around a point. There have been times where I have literally been praying, Lord, Help me with my patience so I won't blow up because I would in the beginning of our marriage, I will be so rude. Like, Chris, please. What are you saying, honey? Just get to the point. What are you saying? Right. <laughs> it was just like, oh, I'm dying over here. What are you saying? But he's a storyteller. He is one that likes to tell all the backstory and, and the details. And he wants to give you a full picture. While I am the person that says, just tell me what's in the picture. If, if the main points in the picture is a boat and the girl in the boat with a yellow hat, tell me that. 
He wants to tell you about the faint little frog that is uh, frolicking in the background that you barely can see. But I had to learn there is beauty in the way that he communicates because how he communicates, he it takes you on a story and a journey if you really have the patience. So there are things that I had to learn from him and there's things that he has learned from me. But I realized for me, my lack of patience is a form of pride. And I know that in back in the day, especially growing up in the church, I would hear people say, do not pray for pride. I mean, patience. Why do we say that? Well, the Bible says, let patience have her perfect work so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. I believe that's in James. So if I want to be complete, lacking nothing, I need to ask for patience. But wisdom now tells me that patience, patience will come along with trials. Patience will come along with some form of testing. Patience will come along with some form of you having to really ask yourself, do I really want the fruit of the spirit, right? That's what it is. So there's a growth set and a growth mindset when we do ask for patience, but we have to ask for wisdom. And wisdom is the thing that teaches us. Pride really gets a lot of us to where we just don't want to be taught. We don't want to be taught new things. We don't even want to understand something different. We don't want to see someone else's perspective. None of that stuff. And some of us, we're not even, we're not even loud about it, right? We're not saying, oh God, I don't want to hear that. Get that away from me. We just hit them with the, mm-hmm, uh-huh, oh, okay. But you're not really listening, nor are you gaining from that person. So sometimes, <laughs> and I'm saying that I'm laughing because I know I have done either or. I have either said, honey, I, I just can't. I can't. I can't listen to this right now. I don't want to hear it, right? And there's been times I hit people with them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or you know how some people love, love to go ahead and fill your head like, oh, I see you. I hear you. Oh, that makes sense. No, you lying. That does not make sense to you, no, nor do you care, nor are you trying to gain understanding of what that person is saying, none of that stuff. Now, I'm not saying in all situations and all conversations, we need to entertain everything. Absolutely not, right? This is when discernment and wisdom falls in. But there are some things where God is really, really, really trying to communicate to us. And he's trying to allow the spirit of wisdom to come in and change our very nature and change our character. But we have put up this wall that we cannot learn from somebody. And some of us, we don't want to learn from somebody if they come in a certain package. Ooh. I don't want to hear any finance tips from somebody who is broke. Let's think about it. People really think like that. I don't want to hear any health tips from someone who is unhealthy and overweight. Don't give me advice uh, from somebody who is terrible at relationships. I know I've had this doggone arrogant mentality. Like who am I to say who is able to actually give advice that makes sense or not? Now, the best thing that any of us can do is to filter anything that comes our way through the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is his word. I can say, okay, wait a minute. What this person said doesn't even make sense scripturally. Some of us are 
taking hold or either um, casting away advice off of what is comfortable or what is culturally norm. But have we even rinsed it through the word of God? Have we even taken time to say, pause, wait a minute, God, I heard this person say this. Is this information that I need to take or I just need to ignore that? And just really take a minute to hear what God is saying to you. God has a way of communicating with us when we actually ask and talk to him. I'm a believer of when the scripture says, asking ye shall receive, seeking ye shall find, and knocking the door shall be open unto you. My concern is the church, and I put it on the leaders and the teachers of the word of God. We have used this scripture. That scripture has been used to use it for natural things and materialistic things. Ask for the job that you want. Ask for the house that you want. Ask for the health that you want. Ask for all of these things, right? And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm not asking God for his understanding and his knowledge before the material stuff, I will be right back in that same position, right? I cannot sit here and say, and here's the thing, someone who is broke may have great financial advice because maybe right now they're the student of understanding financial education. They may not have the money yet, but maybe they are preparing themselves so that when the money comes in, they know exactly what to do with it. Maybe that's a perspective. Maybe someone who is overweight has been doing the inner work of saying, let me see what the root issue is with my food. Uh, they didn't go on this uh, very, very disciplined, strict diet where they start dropping weight like crazy. Maybe they did another path to where they researched food. They begin to understand what their body responded to. They begin to understand what is really wrong with processed foods. They begin to understand what is their psychological and emotional attachment to food. Because at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of us realize how attached we are to food itself. So a lot of times we look at the exterior of a person and we say, I can't receive from them because of this. This is why the Bible says man looks at the outer while God looks at the heart, right? I love that. I love how God goes beyond our natural makeup. And he says, I understand that they are rejecting you because of the maybe the way you present yourself or the way you look, but I understand your heart and your character. Think about it. A butterfly is ugly before it becomes pretty. Who has ever, I, I have never looked at, I've never known someone to look at a caterpillar and say, oh my goodness, this caterpillar is so gorgeous. This is the prettiest caterpillar I've ever seen. Look how fat and fluffy and squiggly and weird it is. No one's, I've never met anyone who talks about caterpillars like that. People always talk about the butterfly. They don't even talk about the cocoon. Oh, how look how beautiful crafted, beautifully crafted this cocoon is. No, it is the butterfly that gets all the praise because now you see all of the work that, that went into it, right? You see the end results. So a lot of times we are missing the gems of people and in people because we are looking for their end results. But we cannot know what someone's end result is because we are not God. So I want us to take this mindset of really becoming uh, students of the word and students of life. 
what can I learn? And let's cast down the mindset and the thought process of pride. I want to read these passages of scriptures. And and I'm coming from Proverbs 9. One, here's the thing. And I say this to people all the time. If you really want to gain wisdom and drive out the spirit of pride in any form, in any form and allow the Lord to show you where the spirit of pride uh, lies within you, start with the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is beautiful. It has so many gems and instructions and so many things on wisdom of what not to do, what to do, and all of these various things that is spirit-led that comes from God. Because we know that man's wisdom, it is not God's wisdom. But if you start with the book of Proverbs, if you're like, I just want to know how to be a better student, I want to drive out the spirit of pride, I would start, my suggestion is, start with Proverbs. And when I say study, I mean study. I mean, literally sit down with your Bible. I personally like to still use physical Bibles because, you know, I, I can easily get distracted on my phone or on my tablet or my computer because, you know, with notifications and it's just like, it's just habit now, right? Somebody texts you, it's pretty difficult for me. I'll say this for me not to look at the text, right? If you see a notification coming, you're like, ooh, okay, don't look at it. You kind of have to make yourself. So for me, I like to go ahead and set up a no distraction zone when I'm studying my word of God. When I study the word of God, I have the physical Bible out. I have an old school pen and paper. The fact that we still, that old school is, we got to say pen and paper for old school is ridiculous. But I have my pen and paper. I have my notebook and I take time. And I listen to the voice of the Lord. I pray and I submit my voice over my voice and my mind and everything over to God first. And I ask the Holy Spirit to come in as I study the word of God. And as I study the word of God, I ask down the questions that are coming up. If I get the answer, then amen. If I don't, amen. It will come when it will, when it, when it will come, you know. So take the book of Proverbs and really take time to study the word of God and always invite the spirit of God in during your study time. Create a no distraction zone while studying. So let's go to Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9, 9 says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply, multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Wisdom is always teaching us the voice and the character of God. Christ himself was not only a student, but wisdom personified. When we study Christ and we look at how Christ moved, I love the way how, like when I was speaking earlier, how he adjusted the way he spoke to people so that they better understood his message. Even in this, if you pay attention to the way Jesus even spoke to people, when he spoke to people in the masses, he spoke in parables. He spoke in a way that made them think, but also drew them in. 
So he was a great storyteller. But when he spoke to individuals, that's when he called them out on their stuff. I think we've kind of gotten used to and comfortable, specifically in certain churches, we've gotten used to and comfortable with people, the pastor, the teacher, or even the prophet of the, of the house, just calling people out on their stuff. Just calling them out in front of everybody, in front of everybody. My goodness. But when we look at Christ, Christ had those harsh conversations, usually one-on-one or in small groups. Like he didn't tell the disciples, and I could be wrong, and I need to go back and study it again. But if I remember correctly, he didn't tell when he was talking to Peter and, uh, and Judas about how one of them would deny them thrice and one will betray him. That was amongst the disciples. It wasn't amongst the, the masses. It wasn't when he was feeding the 5,000. It wasn't, it wasn't that moment. Jesus understood the moments. Jesus understood how to communicate and how to move. See, when I'm unteachable, I only look at things in a specific way. I can only move this way. I can only talk this way. I can only eat a certain way. When I become unteachable, I have now become my own God. That's really what it is. You have placed yourself over the knowledge and the perfection of God. Who are we to say what God can and cannot do? And I know you're like, well, Jen, I never said that. But what are your true actions? What are your true actions? I understand that how God moved in the past, it worked. But have you ever thought of that God is always moving differently? The word of God does say his word is today the same yesterday and forevermore. And what is interesting is as a child growing up in the church, that was taught that God himself and his methods and the way he execute things were always the same. So people felt that if we did church this way back in, let's say, 59, 1959, this is how it should be for the next 100 years. So to 2059, this is how it is. But that's the spirit of tradition. And the word of God said the spirit of tradition makes the word of God a null in effect. Because now what's happening is I have put up my parameters and my own law and my own basically scriptures and my own truth that this is what it is. And so I am no longer teachable. Christ himself was teachable. Do, I, I, do we realize that? Christ himself was a student of the word of God. Let's read Luke 2, 41 through 52. 41 says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the customs. According to the custom, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When Jesus, I mean, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple's court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them 
and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed and at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. This is Jesus' response. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and man. I want to put a little context in here. This is every year during this time, the, they would travel. The people would travel to Jerusalem for their festival Passover. So it's not like how we travel today where there's, where we just travel with our family. So it's just like, so if my husband and I travel, we're just traveling with ourselves and our three children. So I have an eye out for the three children. No, honey, back in the day, during this time, they traveled in droves. Okay. You're talking about all the cousins, them, all the friends and them, all your people. You know how we say the people, the play cousins, all of them. Everybody traveled together. So it was easy back in that day for a child to drift off and you were sitting there thinking, I'm pretty sure back then they weren't thinking about kidnapping and all this other type of stuff. It was, we got three, four hundred of us and we traveling to Jerusalem for our festival, for our festival. So it was just like, it was normal. So it wasn't like Jesus was this 12-year-old child just to the hip. And also during that time, 12-year-olds had a different responsibility. This is when now you're entering into manhood. But Jesus stayed behind to listen to the teachers of the time. And he asked questions. So Jesus himself, who is the son of God, the very spirit in the son of God, sat down to hear and listen to wisdom, to teaching. And what was even more interesting, how Jesus, even when his mother said, Jesus, where are you? Where have you been? We've been looking for you. He said, well, why have you been asking, looking for me? I'm about my father's business. He knew that this was his time coming in where he was beginning to study what God was calling him to do here on earth. But yet he still submitted to the voice of his mother and his father, Joseph, his earthly father. Jesus himself remained teachable, even though he knew he was the Messiah. Some theologians, some uh, theologists say that he wasn't fully aware, but the spirit of him understood that I am on this different playing field and this different path. And he didn't get so gun hold to where he was like, mom, dad, you tripping. I got to do this. No, he still submitted his ways because there was still more teaching that he needed to do because the last scripture said in there, which I thought was so beautiful that Jesus submitted to his mother and father. Even as he was submitting to the teachers and really gaining from them, gaining from them, but his understanding was so vast and so fast, it astonished even the teachers at the time. But the last scripture I want us to really focus on, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and man. Your inability to be taught something different is shutting down your favor. Period. Your inability to grow and learn is really stifling who you are. 
I want you to assess what have you been praying for? What have you been asking for? What have you been yearning for and desiring God to do in your life? I want you to think about that. And I want you to write it down. And then I want you to be prepared to be taught and challenged in that. And ask the Lord to remove and reveal all forms of pride regarding this. If you're praying to be in a relationship, and you're currently single. That means that the Lord is going to begin to show you who you are and how to prepare you to be that wife or that husband. If you're praying, God, I want to be a parent. You don't have any children right now. So now you need to ask the Lord, God, is there any pride in me that will not allow me to, number one, receive the advice, medical advice, or receive anything from anybody because I want it done in this specific way? Maybe you're a timeline person, right? Have a thing done in your timeline, in your way, that is a form of pride. There were so many things that I wanted in my life. That would used to be me. I was a timeline person. I wanted things to be done in a specific way at a certain time. And I realized that every time when it did not happen, I was so crushed. I began to lose hope. I was like, oh, Lord, I was struggling in my faith. I was holding on like, God, I believe. I believe that this was going to happen by this time. I believe that I was going to be here by this time. But really what I realized, I was trying to control my narrative and not submitting unto God. We have to examine where we have unknowingly, and I'm always say unknowingly, unknowingly placed ourselves in the position of the author and the finisher of our own faith. That is God's position. Being a student of Christ is a beautiful thing. There is this, uh, the story in the Bible to where it talks about Martha and Mary. Martha was busy working, child. She was working. She was doing what she felt she needed to do. And then Mary was at the feet of the Lord listening and taking in all of the knowledge and the wisdom that she can get from God. And what was so funny is Martha came in, was like, um, Jesus, she needed to be working. I don't understand what's happening. But Jesus was like, this is where she was supposed to be. This is where you, it's a good place for her to be is in this position of sitting at my feet. And this is what he said. And I want to read this and it says um, Luke 10, 38 to 42. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened for her, opened her home to him. And she had her sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is Luke 10, 38 through 42. 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but things that are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. 
and it will not be taken away from her. Sometimes we are so busy doing everything else. He didn't say that what Martha was doing was wrong. He said, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Do not allow pride to stop you from sitting at your master's feet, your savior's feet, your friend's feet, because that's what Christ is. He is a friend. Do not allow pride and the, uh, the uh, inability to be taught to keep you away from just sitting and listening and receiving. Because as students, we receive so much when we just want to listen and be at his feet. And we understand the power and the love of Christ and his ways and his methods. And as you grow in Christ, you become okay with being challenged in even how you think and view Christ. Let's allow wisdom to be our friend and let's allow the spirit of being a student to overcome and overtake us so that we may reflect God and we may reflect the heart of Christ. I hope that you all have enjoyed this one on today. I hope that you have gained something. As always, my prayer is that we gain something from these podcasts. And just to let you know, over the next few weeks, I'll just be announcing that we'll be taking some time off to prepare for season two. And we're doing things differently. And I feel it in my spirit like God is guiding me on how to do things differently, how to just have uh, things a little bit more sharper, how to do our marketing and our branding Um And it's just going to be my husband and I as the team, but God has equipped us with the wisdom and the knowledge and the skill set to do so. So I have been really praying about it. I ask that you all are praying with me, praying with me that number one, I keep God first in this, that and then number two, that people are blessed and they come into the fold. People are changed and they want to follow Christ at the end of the day. Conquering me is about developing that personal relationship with Christ. That's what conquering me is about. We, I want us to see Christ in ourselves, but we got to see it in the word of God and we got to know God first, right? So I pray for you and I love you. I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope that you have gained something. And like we always do, let's end with prayer. Let's end with thanksgiving. So God, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for my brother and sister in Christ. God, I ask that you begin to be with them right now. Stir up their spirit where they begin to yearn to be more in your presence. They yearn to be in your word. They yearn for worship and they yearn to pray for wisdom, your wisdom, your knowledge and your understanding. God, we thank you for a complete transformation in all of us and letting us know that this is a progress. This is a process of progress. This is a process. We will not become these people overnight, but we will walk with you day by day by day and see your glory and see your beauty, even in things that are challenging. We will see you. And God, if anyone is listening right now, who do not know you. They do not know the spirit of God. They do not know you as their savior. God, I ask that you begin to prick their hearts. And Lord, if they are ready, we ask that they would repeat after me. If you're ready and you want God to be there, your personal savior, I ask that you say this, Lord, come into my heart. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose for me. Please forgive me of my sins. And if you have prayed that, 
And if you believe that and you have confessed that with your mouth, you are now saved. Heaven is rejoicing. We are rejoicing. And I pray that you find your community. I pray that you find a great church home. And I pray that you find your strength and the power of God to grow stronger and stronger in him. I love you all. And you all have a great week. Speak to you next Friday.